Welcome to From the Deep. I am Mike Finder, and with me, as always, is my buddy Book of Brett. Hello. Felt weird to say that this time because I'm yeah. so used to saying Mimsy Park. Believe um, me, it was the same way on the last YouTube video I did. <laughs> I had to do th- I had to do my opener three times because I kept saying Mimsy Park. So today we are going to be talking about the film Seder. Um, and as always, if you do not wish to hear us just BS for the first half of this, there will be timestamps. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the first half of these podcasts are always random different stuff. So the first half is us just kind of catching up. The second half is almost always us talking about one specific film and going in depth with it. So if you would like to see... I should say, if you'd like to skip us BSing for the first half of this, there are always timestamps down below in the description, both for the audio and the video podcast. And real quick, I say this every single episode. If you're only listening to this on the pod, on one of your favorite podcast apps, make sure you check by on my channel, Mike the Finder, on YouTube, as we do do audio and video podcasts every single one of these. And if you are watching this, on YouTube, go make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, and you can listen to us in the car or on the go or however you would like to do that. So it has been, I think, about a month since the last time we did one of these episodes. What has been going on with you? Uh, oh, so much. Yeah. So much has been going on. Um, I went out to L.A. and shot a horror movie out there, right. which was uh, simultaneously a ton of fun. And one of the most stressful, frustrating things I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah, we talked on the phone while you were out there, and you seemed to be having fun, but at the same time, you were, like, beyond stressed about the whole thing. Yeah, it's because I ended up taking on every role that isn't an actor. Um, I ended up lighting it, shooting it, directing it, um, uh, producing it, basically. I'll end up editing it, too. Uh, which is why I told everybody it'll be months before it's done. I have other stuff going on, so how's, that'll how's definitely... How's the editing going? Have you gotten much done on it yet? No. No? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, I sure haven't. Uh, just be, like I said, between that and all of the real estate stuff, and then uh, I got to work on Forged in Fire, um, I got Which, to... Which, uh, for those of you that don't know, that is a reality TV show on... Is it the Learning History Channel? History Channel. History Channel. History Channel. Yeah, it's actually their, like, second-rated show um, on, on the whole network. I didn't know that. So that That's was cool. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be uh, season eight, episode 30 is the one that I worked on. So um, it was one of their, like, home forge kind of things where, like, they go to, like... They, they basically follow the contestants at, like, the Home Forge before they go off to Connecticut where they shoot the main parts of the show. Oh, okay. But it will be Season 8, Episode 30. Say, uh, season 8? That's crazy. Yeah. I, to, I had not heard of it before you told me about you getting that job. And, yeah. like, I can't believe that Season 8 already. That's nuts. Well, hopefully it doesn't get me in any trouble, but um, I had not heard of it either before they offered <laughs> me the can't job. can't imagine that would get you in trouble. So I, I, I would hope not, but I don't know how that whole thing works. Yeah. But, um, not in trouble, but I hope it doesn't blacklist me. Did you did you sign an NDA? Um, I never signed anything except be fine. Uh, tax forms. You should be fine. Yeah. Then. So, but anyway, so I got to do that. Um, I actually just shot <laughs> a... Not, that's on them, not on you. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. And, uh, and I also got to do like a promo thing for Taco Bell yesterday. They've got like a whole scholarship program. And so I got to go uh, shoot one of the uh, recipients of that that's cool. yesterday. So, uh, so between all of that and then uh, also real estate and wedding season being in full force, 
I've just been absolutely slammed. Yeah. So just That's, a ton of stuff. I mean, we say this at the beginning of every single episode. You are always bogged down with work. And yeah, so the getting the two of us together long enough to do this. I mean, it took us an hour here to set up. It's going to take us right. over an hour to film this. Like, it's right. just, it's difficult getting the two of us together long enough to be able to do one of these. So yeah, that's why we don't I do mean, these on a regular weekly basis. It's for, it's for good reason though. Like if, if, yeah. if I'm busy because I'm doing that and if you're busy because you're doing YouTube and everything and trying to stay up on that, yeah. not to mention, you know, moving half a country away. That's, so. that's what I've been up to. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about, I, I won't go super in depth with this because we made an entire episode about this last time we recorded. Um, but yeah, I've been super busy, not only getting from Colorado to Florida, but like once I got here, I had an entire house worth of stuff to unpack and right. not to mention the logistics and paperwork and, and everything else of like going to a new state and and just uh, just all the logistics stuff is what I've really been doing. We're not even going like to a new state, but going like that far away. Is, I mean, it's just yeah. every, every state just adds a little bit more to well, the difficulty of and, it. And Florida specifically has a lot of weird stuff because a lot of people like own part time homes here and stuff. So like becoming right. becoming a full time resident of Florida is a little bit different than what I was used to, especially when we moved from like our hometown into Colorado, that was relatively easy. It's been a little bit more complicated here. Um, but granted, I read a thing the other day that said, uh, more than 300,000 people have moved here in the last six months. So like people are fleeing like, where the they're from. You're in or no, Florida, Florida in general, in general. Florida is okay, one of the bigger states. In, no, Florida is one of the bigger states in the country. So it's not terrible, but it's just like right. this is a place people move to often and they well, want to make of it's swamp land. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, they just want to make sure that, like, if you're a full time resident, that you are a full time resident. A lot of people right. move here part time for like taxes and stuff. So there's like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they have to like make sure people are on the up and up whenever they move here. So that's fair. I didn't know that many people were moving out there, though. Yeah. People are uh, fleeing to um, cheaper places. And Florida is not, I mean, it's not super cheap. Uh, Dude, that's not surprising. Compared- now, when I was in, when I was out in California, it was, I was looking at real estate out there and it's just Oh, it's ridiculous. Lunacy. It's ridiculous. It's just lunacy. That was, I, I mean, you know this, I don't think anybody else does, but like, uh, that was the other place I was looking at moving whenever I was moving out of Colorado and I chose not to go to uh, to California for that very reason. I just right. could not justify the expense for what you get out there. And yeah. it's like not to mention not to mention how they've handled everything over the last year and a half and everything. We won't get into any of that, but like there's a whole slew of reasons I'm glad I ended up here rather than in California. So That's fair. You know, it is what it is. Uh other than that though, like uh what else have you been up to? Have you uh what else have you been doing? Dude, it's literally been work. <laughs> it's it's literally all been work. Like that yeah. that's that's all I've been doing, which it, it's the, it's this weird bittersweet of like, okay, I put all this money and effort and time into building camera operation as a career. And now I'm at this point where it's like, I want a vacation. 
I want a vacation so bad. And so it's a, it, it is weird, but I'm also just looking at it as it's just kind of like the building blocks to getting to a point where it's a little bit more manageable in the future. Yeah. Um, i.e. letting <clears throat> someone else do it <laughs> and then well, just kind of cashing in on that. I mean, that's, you just got to keep working. That's really all it is. Right. But, right. But we, we are going to get you here for at least two or three days. So that'll be a little yeah. small mini vacation. Yeah. You still have nice. my cat. So I do. I, I'm I gonna, do. I'm gonna, she's, a, the, the, she's around here somewhere. I'm going to fly him out and the cat and have him bring the cat here. And we will probably do a couple vlogs and stuff going to theme parks or random places whenever he gets here. So I don't know, man. She's like sleeping in the bed now. You might not get this cat back. No, that's. <laughs> No. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the problem. Is she's kind of mean whenever you like, like don't see her on oh, a daily she's basis. She's all pain to the butt. She's <laughs> like, th- there's yeah. She's very lovable once she gets used to you. Right. So it's like it's just a long, it's a long thing of that. Yeah. Yeah. She, she does. Yeah. She, her, and I are very alike. <laughs> yeah. No, she. Not hmm. that not not that Mike slept in the bed at one point, but their attitude. Not that you know of. So anyway, um Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Ambien. Uh, so anyway, um you know, I I've been uh I've been not really doing a whole lot of YouTube the last few weeks. Mostly I notice I have been like <clears throat> I've I've touched on this on my channel before, and I know you have made a video about it before. Um, I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression the last yeah. few weeks yeah. and, and not only that, but mixed with all the logistic stuff that I've had to do in order to get here. I just, once I got settled and it was like, okay, I have a second to breathe. All of this depression came crushing down on me. And yeah. so it's just been like, I've been dealing with that. And then here's the other thing. Like I, I did want to touch on this for anybody that's been wondering where I've been on my channel. Um, you know, the logistics of getting an ID in Florida and proving that I am a full-time Florida resident is required to get a vaccine. And for me, I've touched on this channel before that, like I am a higher risk for COVID and stuff. So I have not been comfortable going to a bunch of public places and because I live in Orlando now. Which is pretty understandable. Yeah, and because I live in Orlando, this is a tourist destination and people from all over the U.S. are here all the time. And so me going out into public unvaccinated, despite how anybody feels about vaccinations or anything else, like, um, you know, it's just kind of required for me to kind of get the vaccine before I go full head on into like theme parks and public places. I actually well, as someone who got it and it was awful and doesn't have any like conditions with it. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. I, 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 and the thing is, is that's been like lending itself into my depression too, because it's like, I, I moved here so I could go make a bunch of stuff, but right. until I get vaccinated, I can't really go out and make a bunch of stuff. And so I'm, I'm in this weird like limbo at the moment of like wanting to go do stuff, but I can't really go do stuff because I'm not vaccinated yet. And because I, I'm not vaccinated because I can't, I'm not full-time Florida resident yet. And like, there's right. just a bunch of weird stuff that I've been 
dealing with. So that's kind of where I have been. Uh, you just put up a video on your channel about kind of where you've been too, right? I did. I um, it, it's it, The beginning is a little clickbaity because the whole thing starts with me. Well, I won't get into that because you just have to go watch it. Yeah, I but, will. Uh, I'll link that uh, down in the description of, the, cool, of this thank video. You. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was basically an opportunity for me to um, just go film outside just to not have a video with this being the backdrop. Right. A big part of that is just because I haven't been, I haven't had time to sit down and just not so much watch movies, but like I sit down and I'm just so mentally drained at the day that I don't have the mental capacity to sit there and just pull apart a movie. And so, and it so does take I wanted, effort. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Oh, if, totally. if people Absolutely. don't review movies, they may not know that. Like, Watching a movie is not a big deal and having thoughts about said movie is not a big deal. But when you sit down with the sole intention of like, I'm going to review this as a film, it takes a lot of effort and energy to from from sitting down to watching the movie to hitting upload on that video. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of energy that goes into that. So I, basically, I was already out shooting a property that I was on uh, for a real estate company. And I was like, I'm just, they basically said, have free reign of the place. Like, that's what they said. And I took that to mean, I don't have to go anywhere and I'm going to do a YouTube video out here. I'm <laughs> sure that is not what they meant, but they did tell me to just kind of take my time out there. And it was this cool little place out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it, it's in the Florson area. If anybody's familiar with uh, Colorado, that's where I was shooting. And it was this cool little like cabin in the woods type of thing. And so I just wanted to do a video that was like, hey, this is what I've been up to, but on a property that I was shooting on. So it doesn't just seem like this constant excuse of like, hey, I'm doing stuff and then not doing stuff actually. Well, and so that, that was it, one of the things I told you last time you made like a, a talking head video, quote unquote. I called you and I was like, hey, do this stuff outside. Right. Because <laughs> like right. otherwise it's just you talking into a camera and like right. kind of a static thing in the same place that you do everything else. And it makes it makes that video different than all of your other like yeah. movie review stuff of like where well, you're sitting now. And it's um it, it was actually like a really cool opportunity to actually get more comfortable on camera out in quote unquote public because even while I was filming yeah. it I they, like a couple cars drove by and there was the combination of just having not done it in a while and then also I, I technically am not supposed to be doing this out here not that I was doing anything like I wasn't doing anything bad I wasn't doing anything illegal it just it wasn't the reason I was out there and so it, but all that combined did kind of like it was nice to get on camera outside again yeah um, it's been it's been probably a good two years since you've made a video outdoors, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it was super weird. But it was a really good just kind of exercise in um, getting back on camera outside. Just yeah. because it is, such, especially like with someone who already has enough social anxiety as it is. Um, it, it is really nice to be able to do that again, just to kind of get the feel of it. Um, it's a definite skill. Being comfortable outside vlogging is it takes a while and especially if you haven't it's a done mental it, skill it is and especially if you haven't done it for a long time like it is a practice in not caring what people think like you have right. to actively right. not care what people are thinking about you and it's like it's something i don't think people that have never vlogged before think about like you have to 
you have to remember so many more people are going to see it online. So you have to like talk to those people rather right. than the weirdos staring at you being like, what is he doing? What a well, weirdo. Which is, what, which is really what's so weird about it because really you, you have more people that are have the potential to see what you're doing online mm-hmm. than are in whatever area you're in. And yet for some reason, the people you're, that are in the area you're in make you more nervous than the people that yeah. might end up seeing the video. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's also one of those things that's like once you get up in your head about it and you start thinking – it about, throws like, everything What are these off. people going to think? You start thinking about what you're saying out loud and yep. it just, you're right. It throws everything off and it just makes yep. you, it just, it just gives off this weird vibe in the video too. Like it gives me so much more appreciation for improv comedians. You can, well, and <laughs> once like, once you're in your head about it, the video changes its vibe. Yeah, like one hundred percent. The pe- the people watching the edited finished video can tell he is in his head and not comfortable doing right. this in public. Right. So, so no, like, like I said, that, that that was really the whole point of the video. I even said at one point because the the whole video is very scatterbrained. I've noticed that like the more stress I get from work, the more like scatterbrained I get as far as just not being able to focus. And so it, which has been affecting me lately actually. And so at a certain point in the video, I was like, what was the point of this video? Maybe there wasn't a point to the video. And then that kind of became the point of the video that the whole thing was done as an exercise for me rather than making a video for other people, which in of itself is a video for other people, for people that might be able to relate to that. I, I mean, we've touched on that before a little bit, as far as like, sometimes you just have to make a video for yourself, regardless of who's going to watch it. And regardless of clickbait and titles and thumbnails and everything else, sometimes you just need to make the thing for yourself. And, Sometimes it is just an exercise in getting comfortable vlogging in public again. Like right. it is, like I said, it is a skill and I don't think people realize, especially in crowded places, man, it is so, it can be so uncomfortable in yeah, crowded places. And this places. is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. This is like in the middle of nowhere with, with no one around. I don't have to worry about anybody like caring about what I'm doing. Yeah. And even then it was still very like, camera's go inside when you film <laughs> well there's also a lot to think about and i don't want to make this a whole thing of like how to vlog in public but there's a lot of stuff to think about like holding yeah. the camera straight not getting everything real shaky walking and vlogging at the same time is a nightmare it's like it's just there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and when you're not used to doing it and i know this because i had to get reacquainted with doing this myself within the last couple months like it's there's a lot to think about when you're doing it. And when you're not used to it, it's difficult, man. It just is. And it's a right. skill doing yep. this stuff in public. So I, I totally would like get to where get you're coming out. from. I would like to get out and start doing more of them, though. Um, I, I, I have been very good about the whole following the rules during COVID thing. Right. Um, which was a big part of contributing to me going like diving headfirst into movie reviews. But at the same time, it's like now that the vaccine's out, I plan on going and getting that. I just, as terrible as it was when I was sick, I've heard it's supposed to be bad when you get that too. So I'm trying to like work that around major jobs. But as soon as I get that vaccine, it's balls to the wall as far as I'm concerned. Because they're basically saying like, if you've gotten the vaccine, you're, 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 you're pretty much good. 
Well, that's I, I recently went to a uh, theme park opening and I drove up to the gates. I got a parking pass. I parked. I saw hundreds, if not about a thousand people standing in line. And I sat in that parking lot trying to determine whether possibly getting sick is worth making this video or not. And I came to the conclusion that my channel can wait. My, my yeah. channel can wait yeah. for me to get vaccinated. And not to mention, I will be so much, it goes back into what we were just talking about. I will be more comfortable speaking right. in public and being around other people. And so it won't come off as weird as me being have, like, get away from me, like on I, camera and I, stuff. I, you yeah, know? I just have this image in my head of you going through theme parks and just recoiling every time yeah. somebody gets nearby. Like Just this combination in my head of like recoiling twitches. So it's just like every time somebody gets nearby, just like real nervous. I mean, I don't really necessarily have social anxiety <laughs> as much as I am just a hardcore introvert. And so the like, video only ends with you just a, a long wide shot of you just running through the gate back into the parking <laughs> lot. I just I, I'm I'm an introvert and so I, right. I I prefer to be in a small, quiet space by myself for the most part, but it's been a long time since I've had to be around that many people as well as it yeah. has been for everybody most yeah. for the most part. And down here in Florida, it's just like uh, the governor just took away all like precautions and stuff too. So it's like it's it's kind of just game on here. So yeah. like We're as so cool. and that's a good thing. <laughs> that as far as what I'm trying to do, I'm just right. not quite ready. Like once I get vaccinated and and I'm good to go, I'll I'll be fine. But like right, you know, I'm hoping by by next month I will be I will be good to go. So well, when you do, when you do get <laughs> sick from the, from the shot, you might as well just eat water and tofu because right. that's what everything tastes and smells like. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I too have been sort of like cautious about getting this vaccine as well, just because yep. it's like, I know it's going to make me sick and right. I know it's going to put me down for a little bit and it'll be worth it in the long run, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Until until I get the vaccine, it's one of those things I just have to be careful still. So I'm like, I'm I'm in this weird limbo, like I said, of trying to figure out what I can do as far as videos go, because um, I have I've kind of shied away from the whole movie thing. Um, yeah, and so uh, uh, you know, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I've shied away from the whole movie thing, so it's like. Now my channel is back to being a full vlog channel and an adventure thing and podcasts like this. And so I have to go out to make videos again. I can't just sit here and make videos like I was doing before. So it's like, I'm just in a weird, I'm in a weird spot. That's, that's all I'm trying well, to say. So speaking of your channel, we're just going to, I guess we're just going to fly over the thousand subscribers. We're just yeah. going to, I did. So I did hit a thousand subscribers up. and I there am, we go. I and, knew we could bring it up <laughs> and I am officially a YouTube partner, quote unquote. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> from one video, from <laughs> one video, literally one video. I mean, obviously it's from more than that. Yeah. But, the, but I mean, it took me, that one video took me from 210 ish subs up past a thousand subscribers. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. I, I'm super grateful for it. I do keep, you know, a lot of the people that have subscribed from that video, some of them have unsubbed because it's like, they expect one thing from me all the time. 
And right. as I've said in the video, in many, many recent videos, I'm going to make whatever I want, regardless of if I lose subs, stop gaining subs, whatever. This thing is like about me being a creative person and trying right. to be as creatively fulfilled as possible from YouTube. So well, that's why I think the vague names like Mike the Finder, Book of Breath, that's why I think they work so well because 100%. it gives you it gives you a bit more freedom to do pretty much what you want. Yep. And I mean, it's not unless you have like the explicit intent of fitting into a niche, um, there's really no reason to put yourself into a niche, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, don't don't start running, uh, you know, the, the the home shopping network on your channel and, you know, reviewing products. That would be like a way off kind of thing. But yeah. there's still, there's plenty of room to do the things you want to do. And I even touched on this in the last video. Vlogging to me is supposed to be like a what's going on with me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that in of itself, I really feel like not only leaves it open for you to do what you want, but also leaves it open for different niches to fit in. It's more of a kind of an umbrella yeah. term. When you really break, when you really break down what vlogging is, it's video blogging, and a blog is about whatever you want it to be, and and especially the type of vlogs I have done in the past, or or, or usually have done in the past. Um, they're adventure stuff where I go to a crazy cool place and I like look around right. and I shoot everything from my perspective. But there right. are also the type of vlogs of me doing life updates and just sort of like having a therapeutic moment into a camera of just venting and just talking about whatever. And I think regardless of how a subscriber feels about that, as far as I'm concerned as the, the, the creator of the channel and the guy that runs it and has to make it and live with the stuff that I put out into the world, that, that is what's most important to me is being creatively fulfilled as the guy that makes all this stuff. So regardless well, of how a subscriber views that or like, or how they relate to you, I think, I think talking into a camera of like, this is how I'm feeling today helps not only helps the subscriber relate to you, but in the long yeah. run, I think it helps sort of cultivate a sort of relationship between the subscriber or the viewers and, and the person creating the content. And I think that's super, super important as well. So well, there's something pretty cathartic too, about opening up on camera there is. to, to, yeah. uh, people that, um, to people that not only people that you know are going to watch now, but like later on down the road, like you start opening up about stuff that's like personal and deeper. And it's not just the fact that you're putting it out there for people that are already subscribed, but there's there's this huge propensity for it to reach a large amount of people. And there's something cathartic about opening up and going, I'm a human being. Yeah to the camera and, and it being okay, because there is that whole, it, it, it's, it's kind of a, a yin and yang double-edged sword kind of thing, because there is the aspect of, um, opening up to people and being vulnerable about it. But then there's also, and that being kind of, uh, uh, there being a reluctance there, but there, there's also the side of it where, it's almost like you're doing it for other people that might be able to relate to it as well. Not yeah. for the sake of relating to them, but for the sake of them being able to relate to you and at least maybe verbalize what they normally wouldn't. Technically that is called a parasocial relationship where, um, you know, uh, this can be looked Sounds at unhealthy. It, well, this, that's what I was about to say. This can be looked at as both a healthy thing and an unhealthy thing, depending on what view you're looking at this from, uh, right. from our point of view, 
it's like venting into a camera from a subscriber's point of view. It's someone that they feel like they know because of how you relate to the camera. So that's how Charles Manson started. Well, it creates this quote parasocial relationship where they feel like, and again, this is, I I feel like I should say this before this next sentence even comes out of my mouth. We are very, very small YouTubers. And this is, this is a much grander thing than what I'm talking about us God's specifically. In training. No, that, I, I, well, that's what I'm saying. Like this is a very, this is a much grander thing, a grander right. umbrella term, not necessarily what is relating to us specifically, but that is called a parasocial relationship where the viewer of the content feels like they know you far more than you know them. Because as far as we're concerned, we don't know any of the people that subscribe to the channel and, and the people that like pay attention and like actively view all of your stuff and, and listen to you vent into a camera. They feel like they know you because of what you say into a camera. So it's, you know, it's, it's sort of a one-sided relationship as far as that goes. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. There's something very, like you were saying, there's something very therapeutic about like just venting into a camera and having that relationship of like, I can talk to this camera and feel like I got something out of it as well as anybody that watches it might feel like they can relate to me and maybe going through the same exact things. And therefore it sort of helps in both ways. Like it sort of helps both people as far as that goes. So I think that's super cool. Um, And, and vlogging as long as nobody doxes me. Well, that's, okay that's the toxic, <laughs> weird part about it is right. people can get sort of like there, there's a, I can't remember who said this, but there, there was a line that I really liked that somebody said about that one time, just because someone opens a window to their life so that you can peek in does not mean that you get to kick the door open. So it's like that, that's a good way to think of it. I yeah. think is like, yeah. it's a window into our life that that does not mean sharing every intimate detail about your life and like letting other people in completely. So right. there, there is a toxic sort of line that you have to walk as far as that goes and be careful of what you're sharing and, and all that stuff goes. But you know, anyway, um, I, that was not a whole thing I expected to get into, but that's, that's sort of the first half never is. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> kind of what the first half of these are. Um, before we get into our main topic here, I, I wanted to talk about a movie I watched last night before we go into Seder. Um, I watched a movie called fried berry last night. Have you heard of this? No. So this is a movie from South Africa and, um, the guy that created it is mostly done, uh, music videos. And so is it in English or do they do it in like, Africans? it is in English. Yes. Okay. Um, there is, there is a few things spoken, but it's kind of one of those things where everything's kind of woven together. So there are subtitles in certain parts of it where it's like, if they're not speaking English all the time, there are subtitles. So it's sort of both. Um, but wait, just, just as, just as a disclaimer, you said South Africa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I said um, Afrikaans and it's, pr- I, I didn't want someone to be like, it's Africa. You think everyone I didn't speaks even catch, I didn't okay. even catch that. Um, Somebody would. Anyway. Uh, this movie is very interesting. It's on Shutter. I know you've got Shutter, and I know you yep. think you've got Shutter because the me- the next movie we're about to talk about is on Shutter. Um, I don't know if you've watched much Joe Bob, but he does these like two hour, two yeah. and a half hour yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Where Joe he, Bob Briggs, right? Where he breaks into the middle of the movie and kind of tells you a little bit about it. That's how I watched Fried Berry last night, and it is essentially about this heroin addict that gets abducted by aliens. And the alien taking over this heroin addict's body and not knowing the language 
and sort of getting thrown into all these crazy, weird experiences because the body he's in is both a heroin addict and because he doesn't he doesn't know anything about Earth. He doesn't know that anything about the customs. It's and like I said, it's done by the director. Um, it's done by a guy who has mostly done music videos. So most of this movie, the main actor in this movie is not actually an actor. So most of this movie was done without a script. It was done kind of on the fly. The The main actor did not know what he was going to be doing until seconds before they shot the scene. And so it's like this weird sort of abstracty, like, I think it's 99 minutes or something. So it's like this almost two hour long experience of this sort of like music videos strung together almost. So it's like this weird and it was super interesting. And I just wanted to talk about it because I really think you would get a lot out of it as far as like a filmmaker goes. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really super interesting, but at the same time it goes to show how important a script is. Like it is so scatterbrained and so kind of all over the place, not just because the director wanted to put this guy in really crazy situations because it's this alien experiencing everything for the first time. Um, but also because like, I, I kind of feel like they didn't really know what they were, what they wanted to get out of it. And so it's like, it's kind of a practice in camera work, but it's also a testament of how important a script is. Like, well, that dude, that it's really, really funny that you brought that up because we, you know, we we did talk about some of my frustrations working on Prodito, uh, which I don't think I said the name of that, but that's no. the name of the movie I was working on. Um, that was one of the things that I learned the most was having not only your script hashed out, but having your storyboard done, having things planned out because There's that a was reason what it's been done this way for yes, so yes. long because and that's how just, you get it done correctly. It's really funny you bring that movie up because seeing it on screen, it's one of my biggest fears when I go into edit this is that some of that stuff is going to be pretty prominent right because like with this like, like i didn't know i didn't have a storyboard for per detail i the, the the script was being changed on I, I i this is not like talking crap on anybody involved because i'm extremely grateful to everybody that was involved on in that project well, but what you've sh- what just, the little that you have shown me uh i think it looks really good so well good that's, I, that's i've only ahead. seen i've seen very little of it but what you have shown me turned out well so and, but a lot of that was because like when you're in that situation where like everything isn't planned out there's still that part of you that's going i want to make this look as good as i can because so much effort's going into it yeah. which i'm sure is probably what the director of this is probably doing which is why it comes off because it doesn't sound like you hated it it sounds like you recognize its flaws. And, right. and I think that's really a testament to working in those kinds of conditions where it's like you can't help but if there's no plan, it's going to come off on screen like there was no plan. But if you're still putting a ton of effort into it, it can still be the end product and at least still be an enjoyable experience. Right. Well, just uh, as I usually do uh, with these recent watches and stuff, I want to read my letterboxed um, yeah. I, and also plug my letterboxed. Um, I am Mike the Finder on Letterboxd. If you don't know what Letterboxd is, it's basically sort of like a social media, but for film reviews. So you it's need to like get on that. You can you can keep lists of what you can keep a watch list of what you've been watching. You can add lists of like stuff you want to watch. Make a list of whatever type of movies you want, and and it also. 
lets you review stuff on a star level. So there's five stars. I use it as a 10 out of 10 thing. So each, each star is two. So like, um, for Friedberry, this is what I wrote. This isn't exactly what I'd call a feature film as much as it is a bunch of cinematic sequences strung together. The alien side of this is intriguing, but not completely thought out. The drug side of it is well done, but is shallow and completely lacking of any real plot. I liked it, but it seems like it's not really well planned out. So much crazy crap happens to Barry, it's just too insane. I like crazy crap as much as the next guy, but I just didn't think this was a film as much as it was weird situation after weird situation strung together for almost two hours that didn't really add up to anything other than an experiment in camera work. Uh, and I, I rated this as a five out of 10. So I didn't hate it. I really didn't. It's, it's totally as somebody that's like super into filmmaking and stuff. It's worth seeing, um, for sure. This is won a ton of awards it's the camera work is you, you cannot look past the camera work. The effects are super cool. There's some really, really awesome CGI and, and just really cool moments in this movie that make it worth seeing. But like I said, it proves why you need a script and why things need to be planned out. Otherwise it's just sort of noticeable how unplanned it is. So I thought yeah. you'd appreciate that just because of yeah. what we What's were talking about it earlier. It's called Fried Berry. Fried Berry. Like, okay, like yeah, I said, I'll definitely have to go check it out. It's about a heroin addict that gets abducted by aliens and taken over That's by a really an alien. Cool concept. The concept is awesome. That's a really the, cool the concept. The way they do it uh, as far as like the weird situations he gets into are sometimes a little crazy. But especially considering everything happens in like a 24 to 48 hour period. Um, but it's... It's totally worth seeing. The concept is awesome. The The actual filmmaking in it is phenomenal. It's just the plot that's the problem. So right. I, I just thought that was worth that was worth bringing up. You definitely need to watch this movie. Yeah, for sure. You definitely need to watch it. So that brings us around into our main point or our main movie review here, I guess, which is the exact total opposite of everything that we just talked about, um, which is going to be Seder from 2019. I do believe it just started getting releases. 2021. This, no, no. It just started getting releases this year. This was doing film circuits. It took, actually, we'll get into all that here in just a second. But before we get into any of that, um, let's do a small little breakdown. Do you want to give us a synopsis of this film before we get into this? Um, I, okay. So, okay. Yes. Did you watch this today or yesterday? I watched this last night. Okay. It was the last thing I did before going to bed. Okay. Um, that's an interesting choice. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have a really bad habit of watching horror right before going to bed. Like right before going to bed. Yeah. I don't, I don't like doing that. I, um, that's uh, just a personal preference though. It's not healthy. Um, anyway, uh, so yes, I'm going to try and give a synopsis of Seder, but but just fair warning, I might get off track because there is so much of this movie that I just did not understand or maybe didn't. Not that I didn't understand it, 
But anyway, we'll get into it. It could be okay. argued that that's the point, but give us a synopsis yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, no, it could be. It's frustrating. Anyway, um, so basically, Seder is about this creature that lives in the woods that's referred to as a, as a him. Uh, we okay. So basically, we have uh, Adam, the lead character, and uh, he's clearly dealt with some uh, trauma with his mom, and uh, his grandmother is uh, a, 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 apparently, or what it looks like, is a lunatic with uh, dementia, uh, probably Alzheimer's, uh, judging from my own experience having dealt with relatives with Alzheimer's. That's what it seemed like, right? Alzheimer's? Uh, okay. I think it's a mixture kind of of both. Yeah, dementia okay. and Alzheimer's, yeah. So, and basically him, his brother, and I don't know where his sister lives because she comes in later, but him and his brother live in the woods in a state that's never really made clear to us. And there's this uh, entity, Seder, that his grandmother, um, I don't know so much worships as like believes in and supports, I guess is a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, we just kind of go through these. Uh, there, there's just a lot of events that happen that end up uh, kind of all leading up to um, basically a con- not so much a confrontation with Seder, but more of an experience with Seder. And the whole thing kind of revolves around this entity, Seder, who's supposed to occupy these woods and is supposed to kind of, you know, have a very negative impact on the people that occupy these woods. That's okay. That's pretty good. Um, I, I would like to read the IMDB one sentence synopsis of this real quick. Secluded in a desolate forest, a broken family is observed by Seder, a supernatural entity who is attempting to claim them which is a very good one sentence synopsis of this yep. film I think. Um I think before we get before we get into this um I want to say the director Jordan Graham did everything on this movie. Um Yeah, I noticed cinematography that the <laughs> it reminded me of that scene from the critic written directed and catered by Jay Sherman. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Um he did absolutely everything and it's also worth noting this took him 6 years to make. Um, this was shot over a period of six years. He also built the cabin by hand that they shoot, that they filmed in. Um, he filmed everything. He directed it. He wrote it. Also incredible. The grandmother is his real grandmother. That is his real, that is his real grandmother. I kind of figured because you have that in memoriam at the beginning. Right. And, and it's not only his real grandmother. Those are also real home movies. It's also his real grandfather. Um, what I'm not what I'm not sure of um, is if the story of the grandfather is real or not. I'm not actually I'm not actually sure about how the grandfather died and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I tried not to go super deep into the history of this, uh, but yeah. I do know a little bit about it. And I've been making a point to go into movies without looking at anything. Yeah, uh, in relation to them, I, I I wanted to know a little bit about it just because I thought it was really interesting how when you visit the grandmother, it goes into black and white. And I think the reason is is because some of these home movies are real, and they had to figure out a way to mix the the really low quality home movies that he had laying around with this really high quality cinematography and, right. and filmmaking that was going on around it. And Did so you I thought to find out what he shot this on. I don't that I don't know. Okay. We we might be able to look that up here in a little bit. Um I tend not to not to really care about stuff like that as That's far fair. as like the technical aspects of what stuff yeah, was shot on. Yeah. Um but because it was shot over six years, I would imagine it was shot on several different things, but I could be wrong. Um, so 
the grandmother actually passed away a little bit before this movie came out. So she, I don't think ever got to see the entire film put together, um, which made me kind of wonder, um, how do I put this? The ethics of dealing with someone that's actually dealing with dementia and, and clearly Alzheimer's as well. And, and dealing with, um, what's going on there? Focus. Oh, it wasn't centered. So, okay. Uh, anyway, this whole thing sort of made me start questioning the ethics of putting someone real into your film. Um, now I don't know what him and his grandmother discussed. I don't know what she knew, let alone what she actually remembered of what they discussed or whatever else, because I know very little about the inner workings and the, and the, um, the, the after effects of all that stuff in the background and everything else. So, um, but it made me kind of question the ethics of putting someone that is dealing with mental illness into your movie, whether they know it or not. Um, did you think about that at all after watching this? Did you know? Um, well, first of all, did you know that that was his real grandmother? No, no. I, okay. Um, I, 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 okay, let me rephrase it. I didn't know that. I had a feeling. Um, the whole time be- I was watching it, I was like, damn, that old lady is a good actress. Right. Turns out she's not really acting so much as right. she's just sort of speaking. Which really makes you think about the logistics of um, getting her lines. Yeah. Simply because, I mean, like, like a lot of it, you could kind of lead her into it and get around that in editing. Yeah. Um, you could lead her into stories and stuff like that, especially if it's about like real names and real people. Uh, the Seder comments, though, those she had to know that and she had to be able to really keep track. So it really does make you wonder, um, A, did she have dementia to begin with uh, in real life? I, I believe this entire movie. Now, again, I could be wrong on this and somebody correct me down in the comments. If I am, please. As far as I know, this is all sort of based around what's his name? Uh, Jordan Graham's experiences growing up in a household with a mother and, and grandparents who were mentally ill and actually deal with this whole thing. Have you so, ever dealt with somebody with Alzheimer's? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, I have. I, I, yeah. and I ask it, it ties into all of this because knowing that makes this movie. Um, we'll get into my true feelings on this movie, but from the uh, aspect of it being about somebody with dementia, uh, knowing that actually makes it a bit more impactful for me. One hundred percent. So, so with that said, I feel. Sorry, I was just going to say, what about the ethics? That's what I'm about to tie this back into. Um, It comes down to again. I know I use the double-edged sword analogy a lot, but I really feel like it is a double-edged sword because there is the ethics part of it where it does make you go, okay, is it ethical to do that? Um, But in my opinion, I don't really think there's an ethical issue. Um, if she's not being put under uh, unwanted stress, if it's not exacerbating the situation or the illness, um, I don't personally see an ethical issue there. I can see how there would be. I could see how somebody might have that issue. Um, but from there, and, and, and I don't want the biggest reference I have is working on Perditio. And because now I have like an experience of kind of like an ethical issue. And the one for me was when when I had an actress stabbing another actress and she was like, well, I don't want to hurt her. And my exact response to her was, 
I don't care if you hurt her. It needs to look like you're stabbing her. And it was, uh, and luckily the other actress actually agreed with me. And so I feel like from that perspective, the ethical question kind of goes out the window when you're trying to achieve something on screen. If you're not create, if you're not creating an exorbitant amount of stress or unwanted stress on the person involved, my that's how I look at it. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's and that's all fair. Um, and and as far as I'm concerned, for the most part, generally speaking, whatever, as long as you're not hurting someone, whatever you got to right. do to create the art that you're trying to create, go for it. The ethical dilemma I come down to with this movie, though, is you're sharing, you're openly sharing this woman's issues, mm-hmm. and. And again, I don't know if she was open to it or, or, or not or whatever. Or if she um, knew that she was open to it. Right. Like that, yeah. that's the biggest issue I have with it. Like I is said, even I can see she, where there would be one. Yeah. Even if she agreed to it, if she really does have dementia and, and Alzheimer's, she may not even remember like being doing okaying it. all of this. Or even so, remembering doing the whole right. project to begin with. But getting beyond the ethical dilemma that is this film for me, because again, generally speaking, I think it's okay to kind of do whatever you're going to do as long as you're not hurting somebody or whatever. Um, but getting beyond the ethical dilemma a little bit, um, let's talk about kind of, first of all, this is slow. This is a, Oh slow, my God. Is it ever slow movie? Is it a dude? It was, I, Brittany made a really good statement. She's like, she's, she said, uh, this is like an ASMR feature film. And that's the way yeah. that she put it. And I think it's a really good way of putting it because there is, first of all, you can tell the ADR a lot of, a, a lot of stuff. This, and, yeah. Um, the sound work on this movie is incredible. Just yeah, to get that he, out of the way. It's yeah. The stuff that he recorded, outside of filming stuff works so well. I think, I think the sound design in this movie is phenomenal. Sure. Well, yeah, and, and it is, but it, it it's like, like you said, it's just, it's very, very slow. Even the things that are supposed to be really scary and frightening and high energy, even those things felt super drawn out. And it's this, it, it's kind of a trend that I'm seeing in a lot of horror movies now, what I would call a uh, um, high budget indie. And I don't necessarily mean as far as the budget goes, but as far as the way that it looks, um, this is like a, a, a polished indie film. And I'm seeing this in a lot ever since, I feel like it's ever since the witch came out, you've got a lot of these very atmospheric horror movies coming out and I feel like that in of itself is adding to this like long drawn out kind of experience because you're getting these really atmospheric shots and you're getting these really beautiful shots, but it's really losing its energy. It's like this energy roller coaster, like we used to talk about when we were producing yeah. and DJing. I feel like you get a lot of that to where it's like you're supposed to be scared, but then everything gets drawn out. And I understand the drawn out aspect is supposed to add to the tension. But the problem is, is that these areas where it is drawn out, where like the energy goes up and then it kind of like it spikes and then it kind of dies down. That energy could have been held out with drones, with, you know, tones and stuff like that. And it's, it's, you don't get enough combination of the visual and audio aspect in those experiences for me, for it to feel fluid, I guess. I, I can see where you're coming from with that for myself. The entire time I was watching this movie, I was thinking, 
this is how I would shoot a movie. If I were going to sit down and make a horror movie, there's a lot of close-up stuff. There's a lot of really beautiful scenery mixed with the really good sound design. And it's it's artsy through and through. This is an art house right. horror movie for sure. Right. Um, and I think for me, it worked really well because of that. Right. You got to remember, this is only an hour 25. I know, and it felt so much longer. I know, that's what's crazy about it is... I've said for years, an hour and a half is the sweet spot for me for a feature film, especially horror movies like this. An hour and a half is perfect. Um, With this film, it kind of felt like that was maybe a little bit too long. But if you make it shorter, I'm not sure you can convey the same amount of... um, What's the main guy's name? Is it Adam or is it... uh, The main guy is Adam? Yeah. I'm not sure you can convey the same amount of um, isolation and mental illness that you, that we get out of this movie without all of the weird slow scenes that, that are in this. I think that is done to further reinforce how isolated Adam needs to be or has become over the years when you mix that with all of the flashbacks of him being around his family and stuff, and you come to find out a little bit further into the movie that, you know, he was, um, they, they call it, what do they call the the hospital? They call it a home. I think is what they call it multiple yeah. times in the, in yeah. this movie, um, that he has mental illness. His mother had mental illness. His grandmother right. has mental illness. Right. And so I think, and his brother and his sister clearly don't. Um, his brother might, might maybe a little bit, but, um, I think his brother's just an alcoholic and beyond that, I think that's the only way to really reinforce how isolated Adam is and him chasing. He spends the majority of this movie trying to chase Sater down and he spends all of his time, uh, listening to these tapes who is his mom made, I guess. Um, I watched, I watched somebody talk about this movie a little bit after I, after I, after I watched it, they were saying it was the grandmother that had recorded all that stuff. I, when I was watching, I thought it was the mother. There's only one all scene. That stuff with, yeah. There's only where one she's scene physically where talking she's re- into yeah, it. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he spends all of his time looking at deer cameras that he's set up to try to catch Seder or whoever it is. And, Let's let's get into Seder itself, um, because I. How do you feel about this? Is Seder a real thing, or is Seder um, mental illness? Uh, I, I I personally think Seder is more mental illness. Um, that's kind of what I thought. Uh, I also have this like inkling that uh, the grandmother. I feel like there was some. I feel like you could argue that there was maybe um, the whole thing is more of a manifestation of her dementia because she's the only one that doesn't die. It's a physical physical representation yeah. of what dementia is like. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the way I lean too. I I'm not sure if any of this is really happening. That's the problem. Right. Is at the end we do, we ne- we'll never know. So right. and but that's also what makes this movie kind of worth talking about. Right. Well, yeah. Well, and because I mean, it's it's definitely a comment on dementia without being in your face about it, or without being in your face about it. 
And um, that was one of the things I really liked about it was the fact that you don't know if Seder's real. You don't know it. Like, it's really, really hard to tell the source of the emotions that you're having through this movie. Um, yeah. It's really hard to tell the source of where everything's kind of coming from. And a lot of that is just because so much is left to question, um, which I both love and hate. I don't like movies that don't have a conclusion, um, but this doesn't not, it's not that it doesn't have a conclusion. It's that there's a lot of loose knots without them being plot holes, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I think it's purposely left Loose open to interpretation. I think it's, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people hating on this movie, especially on Letterboxd. Um, but I think it's mostly because, because it's left open for interpretation. I don't think I've said in this podcast before, some of my favorite movies are left open to interpretation. The reason right. I liked a girl walks home alone at night so much is because there wasn't an answer at the end of that movie. We don't know why she was a vampire, where she came from, who turned her into a vampire. If right. she's going to turn him into a vampire, we don't know any of that stuff with this. I think it's a, here's the problem. I think it's a mixture of it being so slow and then you don't get any answers out of it. And so it's really easy to to dislike this movie for most people, I think. Well, for me, for me, honestly, it being so slow is really the only aspect of it that I didn't like. Really? Um, I, yeah, I actually that, enjoyed the, the, the whole pace not, of it. And not uh, see. And that's the thing is it, it's the, the pacing for me was just slow, but at the same time, I wasn't bored, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, um, I think part of that is I, the, the amazing cinematography does such yeah. a good job of keeping you interested, even though, what, a paragraph is said throughout this whole thing? Yeah, yeah, there isn't a lot of dialogue. And, and that's the other thing. The dialogue I, I that, that is it, there, everybody just mumbles. It's literally what, mumbled. And that's the thing is, I don't like characters that don't... Oh, crap. My... Camera just moved. Sorry, hang You're on. Good. I don't like movies where the characters don't act like people in in their given situation. In their given situation. Right. Not like everybody should handle everything the same. But so much of this is just like I I especially with the brothers, like Adam and his brother, I can't remember his brother's name, but like the way they interact, it just it it feels like this just acceptance of their situation. No, not even no, because that makes it sound. Uh, I I just feel like they don't. The people in here don't feel like people to me. They just feel like vessels for a character, and that was one of the biggest issues I had. That's why the dialogue was something that drove me insane. Was because there would be more dialogue. Like there's several instances before his brother finally goes, what's up with you lately, man? Like he's clearly already having issues and it takes forever to get into the movie before there's any interest in what his issues are. Now it could also be argued that his brother's been dealing with his brother for, you know, all his life. And so he's used to it. So, so there, I, 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 I understand that, but just the way they were handling their situation. Just, it just something about it rubbed me the wrong way. Not enough to ruin the movie for me, but definitely enough to at least be a talking point in my opinion. I, I, I think you're right. As far as the brother has been dealing with him for so long, he doesn't really, 
notice something's up with with him for a long time. And I think you're right about that. But I also think it's like part of the reason that he is left alone in this cabin. Like, what is her name? What is the sister's name? Deborah. Deborah. Deborah even says toward the end of this movie, do you really think it's a good idea to put him around that many people? So it's like Deborah and the brother have obviously made the decision that Adam is on it's in his best interest to be left alone and kind of isolated right now because he's so isolated he goes down this rabbit hole of his mother and his grandmother that have both gone down this whole satyr thing and he starts obsessing about satyr and satyr is from what i can tell yes it's a visual representation of mental illness but it's also kind of satan like it to me anyway it came off as very like um I think they're they're even called discipline or disciples of Seder at the end in the credits. Um, right. So it's like people that have dedicated their lives to Seder, his mother clearly being one of them and, and saying throughout this whole film, if you give yourself to Seder, he's going to put you through some turmoil. But as long as you give yourself to Seder, i.e. giving into the mental illness, um, everything is going to be fine in the end. And you could, I mean, well, you could also say that that's kind of a comment on religion in general, and I don't mean that in right. a, in, a, in, a, in a negative way towards anybody's uh, religious beliefs or anything. I just mean that could also be argued that you know, basically, just putting that much power into something without really ha- putting that much control into something else irresponsibly is in itself a negative thing. That could be kind of the thing they're going for as far as it being an imagery thing. Yeah. Well, and as far as the imagery goes, I think he nailed it. I think... Oh, totally. I, Dude, there are parts, especially where the voices start coming in and whispering, and like you can tell that he is on the brink of going crazy. And then, I feel like he's already gone crazy. And then I feel- he, he starts to lean into it more and more and more and crazier and crazier stuff starts to happen. And then there's this physical representation of what he has been doing of like these people in animals, like animal furs and skulls and stuff like that. And all of them coming into that moment where they're marching through his house and he's got his gun and his lamp and he's up against the door and they go marching past the door frame. That... That is such a powerful moment in this movie. And then he waits for them to pass and then bolts out the door. I think knowing or assuming, I guess, that this is a statement on mental illness of him wanting to give in to this mental illness, but also actively trying to run away from it. And regardless of where he runs away from it, he can't escape it. And he keeps running into Evie and his mother. Evie. Evie and and his mother in in the woods in the middle of the woods that moment where Evie gets sucked up into the sky is such yeah. a cool moment in this film of like him trying to chase down what happened and trying to like kind of come to terms with the grip or come to grips with the 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 fact that his grandfather has died his mother may have sacrificed him to Seder we don't really ever get an explanation to that um but him coming to grips with the, with all of this stuff and Deborah really, the brother even says it like, it's not fair for all of this to have been put on Deborah. Deborah's the only sane one in the family as right. far as I can tell. And right. Deborah is the only one keeping everyone like sort of grounded a little bit. And the less that Deborah is around, the less sane everyone feels, including the brother. And 
let's talk about in, at the end spoiler alert we're gonna we're gonna start getting into spoilers here if you haven't seen this movie now may be the time for you to sort of check out if you want to see this film um i would highly suggest it if you're into modern horror and modern stuff i would highly just, suggest watching this movie just mute it so we get the playtime. <laughs> there you go um but we're gonna start getting into spoilers here at the end the brother gets murdered by adam and we don't know that no, we, we do. Don't actually, we don't actually see the face of well, who's that, killing that's him. That's true, but it is heavily, heavily, heavily implied. Um, not only in, in what he's wearing, but um, because of the ending where Deborah gets killed by Adam. Like, that mm-hmm. straight up happens. Um, so, I, I'm curious how you felt about the ending to this, because the ending is, as long as it takes to get there, like we were talking about earlier, we don't necessarily get all the answers to everything. So no, I'm curious how um, you felt about how this ends. Um, I think there is one of two ways that it ends. It either ends with the ending we get, or it ends with um, something just happening to Adam. And I feel like this is a much more fulfilling ending, a much more exciting ending than, um, th- than the alternative. Um, that's where I, 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 I did not hate the ending. Um, excuse me. I didn't hate the ending. Um, I actually would say I liked the ending. I actually, I think I liked the ending just because I can't think of a better way for it to end. That's, that's a fairly good point. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's the best ending ever, but I just, I, I can't think of a better way for it to end because we basically show, because I mean, you, you really think of the symbology of this ending where it's, it's Evie and then it's Adam and then it's this thing in the middle. And then I, and cause I think that thing in the middle is actually representing his grandmother and his mother. I was going to say, show it. I'm fairly certain it's the mom because she spends her entire, what we do see of her, um, she's actually try actively trying to become a, a disciple of Seder. So like, right. that's what she spends all of her time doing. And it's heavily implied that she accomplished this by sacrificing the grandfather. Right. And, and, and so that's why I like the ending because it's kind of like this weird macabre way of showing like a, we're a happy family again kind of thing. Right. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Do they ever talk about Evie's relationship so, to anyone? Yes, they do. Uh, Evie, as far as I could tell, Evie was the girlfriend of the brother who we have not figured out his name yet. She died in a car wreck. Uh, from what I'm remembering, I, I could be wrong. If, if I'm wrong about this, somebody please let me know in the comments. Um, she died in a car wreck with, um, oh, we need to figure out his name. What is his name? Uh, the brother's name is Pete. So okay. Evie dies in a car wreck with Pete. But um, Pete survived. And, That's right. Right. And they never really specify how the thing that drove me crazy is as far as a plot hole. And maybe I just missed something. Um, Evie's not directly really tied to all of this. And I could never really figure out why Evie was such a main character in Adam's mind because Evie wasn't directly tied to the family and she was never really part of any of this. Yeah. Am I I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong about it. Um, I'm just, I'm wondering if, um, 
Maybe Adam yeah, was in there's love with really, her or something. I don't. Yeah, but again, it's it's all assumption. It's yeah. it's it's not really something that we really know for sure. And so I would love to talk to this director. I I would love to sit down with this guy and like just pick his brain about because because he had such a long time to put all of these pieces together. Like I said, this was made from what I from what I was reading. This was made over a six year period. It's also kind of noticeable if you notice like the different body shapes and stuff of the, of our main character. Like he sort of gains a little oh, bit of weight and stuff. He's much bigger at the yeah. end. He gains, he gains quite a bit end. of weight toward the end. Um, but maybe that's just how it was shot. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, regardless, um, I would love to sit down with this director and, and see where this line of reality and, and fiction was drawn. Because right. knowing that his grandmother, his real grandmother, who was clearly suffering from dementia and or Alzheimer's, um, I, I just I'm dying to know what was reality and what wasn't. And I think knowing that that is his real grandmother and that a lot of this is drawn from real life experiences of growing up around people that are mentally ill, I, I'm dying to know what's real and what isn't as far as where he drew the line of, of reality versus fiction. I think personally, I think all of the scenes, this is just, this is just my interpretation. There's no, I have nothing to back this up with. Um, I think that all of the scenes that have, uh, uh, Pete in them and Deborah in them are reality because they're the only ones without mental illness. Um, Pete is weird and distant, but I genuinely think he's just I think an that's alcoholic. More, yeah, he I, he's got some, yeah, he's got some addiction and some trauma right. going on. But I don't think he's crazy. Right. So um, that's what I think. I think all the scenes that have that's Pete and Deborah in them are reality, and I think everything else is um, within Adam's a tainted mind. version. Not even just in his mind, but I think it's a tainted version of reality. Um, and I think that because, um, not that it's just fake or in his mind because it's happening in the real world. Like even the things with Seder, Seder never kills anybody, never actually kills anyone. Everybody that dies, dies by the hand of somebody that's in the real world. So I don't think any of that's in his head. I just think that it's kind of an overlay on reality. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Because everything else, like when we see the conversations with uh, with with Pete, it's all, nothing really bad happens, uh, or nothing fantastical happens uh, when Pete is in the picture. Even when Pete dies, it's not fantastical. Adam, di- although he does see Evie, that's the cri- that might be the he creepiest part Evie of this movie is when he sits down and then it's he like almost gets a jump scare of like seeing his girlfriend that right. had died across from him. Again, I'm not sure why. I do not know why she's part of this whole Seder thing, which really bothers me. If I wanted one answer out of this whole thing, I want that answered for me. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, that's such a dude, that's such a powerful moment. And then Adam kills him or Assuming it's Adam kills him, um, it's heavily. And just the most. It's heavily bru- Oh my god! Yeah. It's so brutal. I yeah. was like, the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah, it's like, very it's, well shot too. the The way they shot that death scene is so good. I was already like, he's got the antler in his throat, and I'm already doing this, and then he just 
shoves his head into the into the wood burning stove, and then it's this his amazing beard catches shot. on fire. This amazing shot where he's just drowned in Boca, and he's just scraped. That whole scene it's, was just nail biting. We talk a lot on this podcast about how to use Boca correctly. Moments yeah. like that are how you use Boca correctly. Yep, exactly. That's, and and throughout this whole thing, man, knowing that this was shot by one person, and and it's just so mind blowing that this came out of the the brain. And, and, and in reality, the work of one person that's other than the actors, obviously the, the fact that this is all done by one person is so mind blowing and he's done a couple other things. I have not seen any of his other stuff. This movie has definitely put him on my radar as far as like wanting to see his other stuff and what he does in the future for sure. Um, but I hope to God it doesn't take him another six years to make another movie. Cause like, <laughs> I want something else from this guy to see if, to see if he can follow this movie up with something equally as powerful, because that's, that's how I feel about this movie. This movie is powerful. It, it, it has, I say this I want statement, the it, I do too. And, and I will say the entire time I was watching this, I was like, shutter needs to up their game because this looks like trash on, on shutter. Um, sh- unless they've changed it over the last year or two, as far as I know, Shutter only streams 720. So, and are you and serious? Not to mention how heavily compressed because this movie is so dark, and because we watched it on Shutter, there was so much artifacting happening the entire time in this movie that it was impossible to ignore. Take um, note, gearheads. This was in 720. It still looks. It looked really, incredible, right? Really good in like, 720. But yeah. And it was kind of a bummer because I could tell just as somebody that knows about cameras and stuff, how much love and attention to detail was put into this film. I was, I was thinking the entire time I was watching this, like, it's really a bummer. I'm not watching this in 4k. Like I, I want to be watching this movie on a 4k disc to totally get, not to mention the sound that could come out of a 4k disc would be just awesome. I'm, I'm definitely buying this movie for the collection for sure. Um, but let's, I mean, we've been talking about this. Let me, let me see how long we've been going here. Cause I know it's been a while we're sitting in an hour 20, so we should probably start wrapping this up. Um, let's do overall final thoughts on this movie. Uh, overall, I thought the, uh, I, I really liked it. Um, I was not crazy with the pacing of it. Um, I think you, you made the comment that, you know, the it really helped, uh, convey the solitude and the loneliness. Yeah. Um, I, yes, no, you're not wrong. I still think it would have been conveyed just the same. I feel like the message still would have gotten across had there not been so much drawn out. Um, and I'm not saying you cut off like a half hour or anything like that, but I think if you could have cut off a few, if you cut off about 10 minutes off the runtime, I feel like you get a better pace and you get a, um, not fluid because it's still fluid. Like regardless of the pacing, it was still fluid. I just feel like you don't get as much of a drawn out feeling from it. Um, however, it wasn't enough to ruin it in my opinion. And so all in all, I really liked it. I would definitely recommend everybody going and watching it. So out of 10, what would you give this? I'd give it, I'd give it like a 7.5 or an eight. That's pretty yeah. good. 
Yeah, I'd give it good. a seven point five or an eight for sure. Definitely worth, uh, definitely worth rewatching, worth analyzing, worth studying. Um, it's enjoyable. It's got, it's got a few things here and there where I'm like, you know, like I would have changed this, I would have changed that. Weird but that choices, yeah. Yeah, and, and but again, it all mostly comes down to the. Uh, it, it mostly comes down to the pacing of it. And, and, I mean, other than that, I wouldn't change anything about the acting, the cinematography, the directing, the editing. I wouldn't change any of that. Editing well, maybe is dead it, on, man. Uh, yeah. Other than the other than the pacing, I think yeah, the editing is that, so beautiful. So yeah, in fact, uh, I, I would say eight, not seven point five. I would say eight out of ten. Like definitely go check it out. And, uh, you know, support the director for sure by buying the Blu-ray if it comes out. Yeah. So, okay. So my final thoughts on this are, I agree with the pacing issues for sure. Um, although I think it's the perfect length. I think instead of all of the plot sort of being dumped on you within the last half an hour, you spread that plot throughout the first hour a little bit more evenly and mm-hmm. you can keep the pacing exactly the way it is. Um, I think if you do a little bit more of the home movie stuff in the first 45 minutes or so, where you're sort of bouncing back and forth in between him being isolated and showing more about the family, Deborah doesn't show up for like an hour and 10 minutes or something, or at least that's how it feels. She's just in there at like the end of the third act. Yeah. I feel like if you, if you introduce Deborah a little bit earlier and maybe have her play a little bit more into um, having decided maybe a little bit more of Adam's fate and stuff like that, I think that would, I think that would heavily, heavily help this movie. Um, but I actually, like I was saying earlier, I think the plot um, needs to just be peppered in a little bit further, uh, yeah. in, further in the beginning of the movie. Um, I think the pacing is perfect. I think it really helps drive home how isolated and sort of how you could go even more crazy in this area that he's in by being so isolated. Uh, and even if that is necessary for him as a character to not be around other people, I think, I think being so isolated and the camera work and not to mention, we haven't even touched on this. The color grading in this film is phenomenal. It is so good. Freaking phenomenal. And it helps convey the emotion of each scene so well. Yeah. And, and it is, Everything that I appreciate about film is in this movie. Like, and, and as I said earlier, if I were going to make a horror movie, this is how I would shoot it. It's atmospheric. It's got tons of close up stuff. It's got really, really good costume design. I think like we were saying earlier, the editing is dead on. This is how I would make a horror movie. It really is. Uh, And it's what I kept thinking as I was watching this. I think this is, this is, this is a very good movie. Now, with that being said, the pacing is an issue, period. Regardless of how I feel about it, mainstream audiences, and and granted, this is not made for mainstream audiences, but I think if you want this to speak to more people, you got to fix the pacing. And you have to answer some more stuff. I think the fact that it's open for interpretation is a good thing. But I also think it's what hurts this movie the most, even more than the pacing. The yeah, fact I would that agree you don't that. answer. Especially... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, especially when, especially the whole aspect of Evie. Like, that's the biggest one that sticks yeah. out to me. Yeah. I could pretty much push everything else aside. But when you've got a character that has this big of an impact on the movie as a whole, 
there needs to be a little bit more explanation there, um, or at least just give her more impact. Like instead of being the girlfriend, make her add in like an affair between her and Adam, just add it in or make it something as simple as it just, instead of it not being a girlfriend, make it a fiance, make it a wife, something like that, just to give the character more impact. Maybe we just missed it. There's a very good possibility that we just missed one, one, one piece of dialogue that somebody mumbled. That's another huge issue I have with this. Everyone that speaks mumbles and no enunciation is happening throughout this movie. So much. So I told you before we started recording, I had to put these headphones on in order to watch this movie. And I shouldn't have to do that. Your actors need to be enunciating. And I understand it's part of the whole vibe of this movie. And, and especially Pete, the way Pete speaks is perfect for his character, but it is infuriating as a as a like a bystander and a, and a, and somebody watching this movie. Maybe they um, all have tetanus. <laughs> or, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's bad case of lockjaw. That's one of my biggest issues with this movie is that the dialogue is spoken so poorly that I had to put on headphones to watch it. Yeah. Now, because I had to put on headphones to watch it, you got a more audio experience. The audio that I did get, especially with the whispering and everything else. Beautiful. Beautiful. The sound design is very, very strong in this film, but let me wrap this whole thing up by reading my letterboxd. Uh, I wasn't sure how I felt about this when it was over. It's taken a few hours to gather my thoughts on it, but I liked it. It's slow. It's weird, confusing, and awesome as hell all at the same time. The camera work is incredible. Audio design is perfect. And the way the, and the way the director blends his real grandmother into the film is incredible. The concept overall is a statement on mental illness is dope, but it's just too damn slow for most people. But if you stick with it, it's dope. Even if it doesn't answer anything at all. And that is, that is how I feel about this movie in yeah. one paragraph, it's it is strong, but when you don't answer anything, you're gonna you're gonna alienate most people. Yeah, uh, and yeah, even me as somebody that is into art house movies, a lot of my favorite movies in general, not just horror, but in general, a lot of my favorite movies don't answer anything, and that's okay to leave some stuff up for interpretation, but not this much stuff. Yeah, so. I'm going to go ahead and rate this. I On my letterbox, I rate this as a seven, but I think I'm going to bump this up to an eight. I think this is a very strong movie, but I there are some real issues with this, especially, I know this wasn't made for a mainstream audience, but when you're looking at it as, as something that's, let's look past the art house stuff, I think you need more answers. Yeah, and when you don't answer a bunch that. of stuff, like I said, you alienate a large part of the audience that is going to see this. But right. overall, I think this is strong. This is a strong, strong horror movie. And like you were saying earlier, I think that this is kind of the direction that horror is going right now. Um, super atmospheric, super, super on the heavy design camera work and color grading. I think all of that stuff is where horror is going. And we've, much to my chagrin at times, um, but also in a very positive way, horror has moved away from campiness and moved away from the the, <laughs> the Freddy Kruegers and, and stuff like that. And the that. sleepaway camps. Right. And I think that's okay. Um, but at the same time, you got to be thinking of mainstream audiences too. 
And, yeah. and I think this movie would be such a hit. So many people would talk about this movie, much like The Witch, if you answered just a couple more things and you clean the pacing up just a little bit. Yeah. So that's how I feel about this movie. You got anything else to say about this? No, no. I think uh, I think we pretty much covered everything. I think the only thing yeah. we didn't talk about is the uh, the opening sequence, which I thought was amazing. The way they incorporated the uh, yellow veil presents, and then uh, you know the name like she's been writing the whole time, and like yeah. they kind of put in yeah, the handwriting. That's is super cool. I thought that was really cool, but uh, but no, I think we covered pretty much everything. And and speaking of which, yellow veil also made a harpoon. And if you haven't seen a harpoon, harpoon is totally worth seeing. They are on my radar. They are they are making some really cool stuff right now. And I think Seder is a testament to that. And the director, Jordan Graham, I think is his name. Is that, is that yep. his name? Um, mm-hmm. He Keep an eye on him, man. That guy is... Assuming he can follow he can follow this movie up with something equally as strong, and maybe he has, and I just don't know it. Um, but assuming that he can recreate some of the magic that is in this movie and be comfortable not taking six years to do it and working with other people. I think this guy is going to go a long way. So for sure. Okay. So that is going to do it for today. If you guys like this, make sure you hit the like button and the subscribe button. If you really liked it, because we've got a lot more podcasts like this on this channel and, or on this RSS feed, wherever you're listening to this. Um, This is something we do whenever the two of us can get together. This episode, it was Brett's turn to pick the movie. I am shocked that this is the movie that he chose. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into. Honestly, I was not expecting this out of one of your choices. I, I You usually are a bigger fan of like um, blockbuster yeah, stuff. Push through. Uh, I was going to say push through it. <laughs> blockbuster things. Um, and so you choosing this was was a real big shock to me. It really was. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was a, no, it was for sure a compliment. I think no, I'm kidding. No, it's uh, it's just it, it 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 looked different. It looked interesting. The trailer reminded me of The Witch, and I absolutely love The Witch. And I do like more artsy films. I just don't like artsy films that are up their own ass. Well, or sorry, that, but that's where we differ. I think uh, I yeah. am okay with the pretentious art house stuff for the most part. Um, but I think I think this this movie was was a very good choice. It made for a very good conversation, and um, this is exactly my kind of movie. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. So, okay, so good job passed, Brett. If you got all the way to the end of this, thank you guys so much, and we will see you next time on From the Deep. Bye bye. Ta ta.